1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew. We are coming off of the Sony Open and about to preview the not-desert classic, the American Express. I believe since I've been playing DFS golf, this tournament has changed its name three times.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's hard to get a sponsor to stick, but I I guess the American Express is a little bit more... High brand than uh, the Desert Classic, so I think I'm good with the title change this year.
1: Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm I'm in on the title change. I actually uh, I actually don't really mind this event. It's uh the the winning score here has never been lower than minus twenty, so it's just it's just a mega mega birdie fest, and uh, it's a it's a pretty fun it's like a pretty fun event, and there are little edges to be had and showdown and stuff as well with the uh, the three course rotation. But quick Sony Open recap uh those who trusted webb simpson were were definitely rewarded with his uh i believe it was a, a t4 finish with the way that the uh the way that things broke down but we saw the uh, uh top 65 in ties rule rear its ugly head for the first time and uh it, it was pretty severe
0: yeah definitely and i i mean- for me, that was like my only prayer because I, I had a pretty bad week on DraftKings. And FanDuel was like pretty live Saturday and kind of fizzled out a little bit. But um, you saw big names get cut, not just from the T65 rule, but also brand name miscuts from Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas, and Matt Kuchar. And uh, all of that left Webb in a really good position to pay off his salary and return value. It was an interesting leaderboard, kind of a mix of some some putters. You know, Cameron Smith, Kevin Kisner, um, GMAC sneds and then you got some ball strikers up there as well with like the decky leishman types who actually led the field in strokes gained to greens so i don't know the biggest thing for me i mean the event ended up playing a lot tougher obviously winning score was 11 under typically it had been closer to 20 and under and it just shows like the impact that the weather had on that course
1: yeah and uh that is that is not usually what we see with the sony open you know like generally we are seeing uh resort course type of scores, resort course uh, type of golf. And we we really didn't see that at all. Do you, do you wish that you would have boosted GMAC more on the uh, on the narrative from last week? <laughs>
0: maybe, maybe a little bit. I mean, it did seem like some of those... I mean, if you played the Coastal Links narrative, that stuff came to fruition with, with Kisner and GMAC and Sneds, I guess, as well. So I don't know if I wish I had boosted them. But um, in general, it was pretty interesting. On FanDuel especially, like... A lot of times, like the Fanduel pricing is a little bit softer. You're able to play better golfers, and so you're still trying to balance like a similar strategy. You're just taking like contrarian picks that are slightly better golfers, and so when like someone like JT misses the cut, he's a lot. Of, he's like 45 or 50 percent owned over on Fanduel, and so um, I think it's pretty interesting to see the way that things shake out there. The Morikawa kind of collapsed with what? Uh, her yeah, AFC Mori was Mori missed too.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was uh that one was that one was pretty brutal. That was um it's just it's it's never what you are. It's never what you're looking for and our projections did not like him, but Matt Kuchar missed the cut as well, which uh, yeah. again was not very fun because yeah,
0: I b- uh, I bumped him a little bit. The American Express it'll be interesting. So like three course rotation this week. I I think from the DFS play I like the fact that there's some strategy elements that come into play with the three course rotation. I also think it opens up some interesting conversations in the betting markets. So those are definitely pluses for me. And I like it from that perspective. From a spectator perspective, anytime it's a pro am, it just makes the sweat drag on. You kind of get some bad coverage. And then like it feels like the rounds take six hours. So um, I don't love the sweat. And they they only
1: it. have course, they only have shot link at one course and cameras at one course. So it's just like it's a nightmare to sweat and it's a nightmare to. Uh, try and watch if you're not watching. Like if you're trying to follow this on, set, on uh, Thursday or Friday, like honestly, you just do something else with your time. There are better uses of it. <laughs> better
0: uses of time than PGA Slack? Uh, I'm not sure I've ever heard of any of those. Well, there's no better use of your time than PGA
1: Slack on Saturday and Sunday, but on uh, on Thursday and Friday, you can find something better to do. So the three courses are the Stadium course, the Nicholas course, and La Quinta. Uh, the Stadium course is the one that has cameras and that has shot link. The Nicholas course is the second easiest course that they play on the PGA Tour over the course of the year, and La Quinta, I believe, is the fourth easiest. This is... Um, I mean, this is a birdie fest. This is going to be like showdown scores are going to be insane. Winning scores are going to be so high. Um, it, it, it's, it, it is a fun event to sweat from that context.
0: Yeah, and all golfers are guaranteed three rounds. So everyone will play each of the courses once, and then the fourth round will be played at the stadium course. So that means that the cut to T65 and ties will be after the conclusion of the third round. And uh, that means that you get more guaranteed rounds out of your golfers which gives the cream you know time to rise to the top and I I think because of that I sometimes tend to play this type of event a little more straight up per the projections now obviously when it's such a big birdie fest it adds a lot of randomness and volatility in there just because it's basically a a requirement you're gonna have to get extremely hot with the putter to. yeah
1: you gotta gain eight strokes putting or whatever like it's just there there's not really a way around it like if you're not gaining strokes putting you're not winning
0: So um, I would say the other kind of elements here uh, last year, the DraftKings points per hole averages were roughly one 0.99 at the stadium course, 1.1 at Nicholas and La Quinta was 1.13. So you're talking like a 10% difference between stadium in the next two. And then Nicholas and La Quinta were pretty even from a DraftKings perspective, like just 3% difference. Uh, Our fantasy projections at Daily Roto for showdown will take into account which course the golfers are playing. So Data golf will have already kind of solved that stuff. And I think that gives subscribers to the daily roto product, a really big leg up as far as the starting point for showdown. It'll be interesting to see whether or not the um, kind of narratives and like skew ownership so heavily. Cause if you get a good golfer on the stadium course with those, like with just a 10% difference in scoring between the courses, like they can still definitely come through. So it'll be really interesting to see the ownership specifically for round one, and then try to take that into account for like the round two round three showdown formats
1: yeah that will uh that like showdown showdown for these for these events is it's gonna be fun like those are just those are just a good format so everyone plays three rounds at this tournament before a cut that uh i i don't actually know do you think that that induces more or less variance playing the extra
0: round uh so it's it's definitely less variance but the course is just so high variant anyways that i think this event is still probably like a highly volatile event pretty rand the the two elements i think from a Betting perspective. So we talked about showdown from a betting perspective. I think it opens things up a little bit. Um, if you're betting first round leaders, I would check to see if your book has taken into account the course rotation for first round leader markets. A lot of times, those just mirror the outright markets. But if you get guys that are kind of long shots that are starting on one of the easier two courses, there could be some potential value there. So that's an angle I think that's look at least worth exploring a little bit. And then similarly um, for a live betting as far as the post round odds. Yeah, Um, or the live in in game betting. It's going to depend on the book and some books might do a good job pricing this stuff in and a lot might not and they're just treating it like a normal thing. So I think those are interesting angles that you can explore depending on where you're placing your bets.
1: Yeah, I uh, I really I really uh, I really like those elements. So specific courses, the stadium course is gonna uh, feature you know uh, a ton of over indexing on strokes gain approach and a little bit of off the tee. La Quinta is the easiest relative to par. This would be the one where if you're looking to make first round leader bets or uh, leader of the day bets, there are a lot of different golf markets out there. La Quinta is where you're gonna want to be trying to find your golfers from. So there there probably will be some live betting opportunity there. And then Nicholas is again also a, a little bit easier, uh, seeing no weather, seeing basically no weather uh, I- impacts here at all. So just, uh, I you know, I'm ready for for minus 27 to take this thing down.
0: Yeah, and I think the the round four showdown strategy also is important to talk about given the high volume of birdies. Like when we're playing on a U.S. Open or like a major championship level course, the the placement points that are baked in for the guys who are up top. extremely important and they're much less important this week and so um, you could see some guys who are way back you know 60th going into the event and they're just kind of carefree firing at pins and you could see some guys who are deep kind of be very relevant for round four showdown stuff so you're always going to want a balance of guys that are up towards the top with those placement points and guys who are deep but i think this week is one where the birdies could reign supreme compared to the placement points
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that one. So, uh, I, I will say this right now, I, I am just going to move the course history and fit adjustment down to zero in the daily road optimizer. Now, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's optimal, but I, I agree with what we have here in our show notes, which is just that the, the way that these courses are mixed up and the way that putting is going to be such a, uh, a factor this week. I just, I'm not really trying to look at course history or course fit at all.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree with that, especially between the the rotation. Uh, I think the Dave Golf stuff has it as the least predictive course for course history, one of the the ones on tour. So that's um, probably an off for me. I think they they you know they don't have it weighted heavily as far as the toggle. If you look at that, um, so I think you could run the toggle for course fit on or off if you want to. I think data Golf has kind of solved that stuff pretty well.
1: Yeah, uh, they uh, they they've done uh, they've done a pretty good job with that. So heading in now for uh to DK by price range Ricky Fowler leading the betting markets he's 11,500 and then our boy the sunrunner Sung JM at 11,000 Drewby did
0: you ever think we'd see it it's pretty wild i thought we might see it at like the Puerto Rico Open but or, yeah. I didn't think we'd see it this early
1: i mean it, it not we've seen it this early and uh like I don't, and I guess this is like a good situation for him in terms of none of the courses being like that difficult, but this is, this is definitely venturing into, into no data territory, but wouldn't you kind of prefer him at like a grinders course? Like that, that's what, that's how I think of Sonja. I just think of a dude who's ready to grind out like, uh, like, like 69s and and not, not really like 65s.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, 69s, you know, 12 under get all four under 70 bonus seems like a, a in play. Result for Sanjay, uh, I think generally I do feel like the. I mean, they always feel like they have to price people up. I feel like when typically when we're paying eleven thousand dollars is for guys with like sixty five percent or better odds to T twenty and kind of dominant favorites of the event. I don't think we really have that this week, so I do feel like the top of the field is a little bit overpriced and that the field lacks depth. So. Generally, um, you know, these guys are definitely going to be in play, especially on FanDuel. But on DraftKings, I think generally I prefer, like, a little bit more of a balanced build this week than trying to pay up for Fowler or Sungjae, um, who I do think are kind of deservedly, like, the one and two golfers in the field.
1: Yeah, I think that they deserve to be up there. I will say, though, my exposure to Fowler, Sungjae, Casey, Final, like, it's probably going to be lower – for 10k guys than I'll have all year. Cause I just, I like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like artificially limit them or anything, but there are a lot of guys who are, priced from 7,500 to 9,000 who I think have like very good win equity. And like, if you, if you look at this, this is like the exact opposite of last week. Like no one is priced at over 5% win equity by data golf, uh, only two guys over 4%. So the, like, if you like the, all the guys who are priced above 10,000, have like 11% like total win equity relative to the field, which is like JT was like 16% win ec- or 11% win equity himself last week.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and as far as the, the guys in the field, I guess Ben on, I feel like presents one of the better kind of value propositions of that group. Uh, Dave golf has him fourth in the field and you get a little bit of a salary discount from him. Uh, I like Finau a bit more than the Davey golf projections do. I think the betting markets like him a bit more as well. I've kind of got him like the sixth-ranked golfer in the field as far as what I'm looking at. Um, But I still think that price tag is like a little bit expensive, and I would probably prefer just to get all the way down to like Billy Horschel. Um, I'm sure as far as like a single entry three max, I'm sure an MME, like these guys are going to end up being in play anyways. But my initial take is kind of the same, that maybe building balance and starting below 10K is a pretty good way to go this week.
1: Yeah, like Fowler, Sung J, Casey, Finau, all these guys are gonna get their like very healthy ownership in MME. But in single entry and three max, where people are more likely to be hand building their teams, I can certainly see this range of nine K guys and eight K guys being like way more popular. And I, I, I like obviously I like Benny Ann. Obviously I like Charles Howell. I think Finau seems like a, a weird course fit guy though, because so much of what he's good at is off the tee and this is not a course that's going to over index super strong with off the tee whereas like Ricky and Sung Jay and Casey they're all just really good golfers
0: yeah so I guess in that $9,000 range uh, I feel like we're both kind of probably off Kevin Kisner this week feel like he's a little bit overpriced no
1: no, I'm not I I think he's a good play yeah I think he's
0: a good play so I think I'm off Kevin Kisner this week I like Billy Horschel and Scotty Scheffler the best in this range I don't think they get very much ownership, maybe like 15% to 20% each, but definitely below 20%. And those are probably my two favorite plays from the entire range are Scheffler and Billy Horschel.
1: Yeah. I mean, so if I can, if I can elaborate on Kisner a little bit, first is he's got the, he's been playing golf in Hawaii now for everything. So like, uh, you know, he, he's been on there for a couple of weeks. So that is while that is a correlation, not a causation type thing, it's certainly something that I like. And also, uh, he's just like, he gained a bunch of, I believe he was first in the field last week in strokes games, T to green. So yeah, you he was also, top three. Yeah, I, you also like to see that. And this is not a course where distance is going to disqualify you from winning. So I like that as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. I I think those are fair fair notches in the belt. Feels a little bit overpriced to me, but um, I mean, he's more expensive
1: than than Francesco Molinari. So.
0: Yeah. Um, Molinari. Data Golf has him 27th in the field. I've got him like 15th. Um, I think he's still a little bit, I guess, a little bit overpriced at where I kind of have been in the projections. But I also have his ownership close to 10%, and. If it does go there and stays there, then I think that's a really appealing play at 9,200. I would say that like the leverage is going to be an important thing for me. I don't really want Molly if he's like 15 to 20%, but if he's down at 10% compared to these other guys, I think he makes for a really good tournament play.
1: Francesco Molinari, he's really more of an art. Like his golf, his golf is really more of an art. So I, I, uh, I bet him at thirty-three to one with like when I just opened up my stuff this morning. Just we like, got that
0: price at like eighty to one.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if I can explain myself, basically it's just like this dude is a major champion, like multiple winner on the European Tour, winning on the on the PGA Tour, like. I just I just believe that he is a better golfer than Phi now, than Benny Ann, than Charles Howell, like a lot of these other guys, even if maybe his current form is not representative of that. So while while the data says that they're that it's not the best decision I've ever made, uh, you know, it, it really is. It's more of an art. So getting down into the eight K range, I cannot tell you how happy I am to have seen uh that our projections uh, don't. Well, you we gotta talk about not, crack. Well, yeah. I mean we can't-
0: we can't blow through Kokrak because he might end up being one of the highest owned players in this field. Data Golf has him as an extremely good value. They have him six ranked in the field.
1: The Sunrunner
0: uh, himself. I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with a uh, 20 to 25% owned Jason Kokrak. Um, I think even if you kind of regress with like betting market odds, he's still like a 10th ranked golfer in the field, so still a pretty good value. But and this guy might be like 20 to 25% by the time lock hits, and I got to figure out what I'm going to do with that.
1: Uh, I will just, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the cop out here and just use the total ownership constraint that we have in the daily road optimizer. I know that, uh, some of the, some of the subs were talking about how they do not like using that feature that it gives them uh, clumping and stuff that they do not like, but I, I do like it cause I'm not just, I, I'm not going to like nuke Jason Kokrak. I'd be, I'd be much more likely to, uh, get rid of like cheap chalk, but like there, there are examples of guys who will be like way too owned at, uh, you know, like, like, uh, well, I guess I like this guy, so it's it's gonna. I'm not going to nuke him. But like Carlos Ortiz has like a very high ownership projection at a very low price tag. So that would be an example of like, I think it's just easier to nuke cheaper guys who are chalky than expensive guys who are chalky basically.
0: Yeah, that's fair. If you are using the optimizer and you do feel like you're getting clumping issues, that stuff is pretty easy to solve uh, with the, the volatility setting that we have there which will submit if you set volatility at 10, it'll sit, submit kind of random projections plus or minus 10% of where we have them. And that's a way to get some randomness added to your lineups and, and declump them. You can also use the number of uniques features. So I know in previous years when it was just shuffle that we had, uh, it was hard to declump lineups. I think there are better tools to do that now. So um, again, like the maximum public ownership it's going to give you contrarian teams and trying to find and set the right threshold is definitely, to quote Davis Matic, it's an art depending on what contest you're playing. It is, in. It is I do think art. It's important. So I wouldn't uh, dismiss it entirely. Or you can exp- export like a bunch of lineups to Excel and do stuff there. Yeah. So Matthew Wolf, he can like straight up win
1: this event. I think like, I, I think that he has like, he makes a ton of birdies. He has like a good record of winning events, which I know like anti-data, but like guys who win events in the past, i think. Like, that is, a, that is a comforting factor to me in terms of putting money on them in the future. And I also think that he's not going to get a wild amount of ownership because there are lots of other guys here that people like to play. So people like to play Kokrak. People like to play Abraham Answer. People like to play Brennan Todd. Uh, he has horrible projections, but people still like to play Phil. Uh, JT Poston has been super popular. Like, there are a bunch of guys here that people like to play,
0: basically. Yeah. I don't think anyone's gonna to play Todd or Phil, to be honest. Like Phil talk about playing them because of like the their mystique in the DFS space between Todd Phil and golf Phil. Phil crushes pro ams, dude. Yeah, but I don't think people are actually gonna play him. So if you buy into that, like I think both those guys are gonna be sub ten percent. But I do agree that answer is gonna be owned. I think Poston will be owned. Maybe Brian Harman will be owned. Um and because of that, I don't think Wolf's gonna go unowned, but I think he's gonna stick in that like 16 to 18 percent level versus getting uh, like aggressively um i guess i prefer answer at even if you were to tell me the same ownership i prefer answer but um if there was like a big disconnect there i could see the marriage for wolf i do have him rated a little bit higher than david golf
1: does i'll just like i'll always overrate matthew wolf from when he just absolutely ripped my heart out when i bet on bryson at i the, whatever the event was in Minnesota, where he made like the 26 foot Eagle putt from off of the green and, uh, and cost me, cost me Bryson bucks. That was, uh, it was just one of the most brutal sequences. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll basically never forget that. So other guys in the AK range, I do like Poston. I don't like Brian Harmon and I especially don't like him if this early ownership projection stuff is accurate
0: yeah i think that's fair i mean if it's if it's accurate then possum's definitely a better play kind of higher value similar price tag and cheaper ownership uh okay jason kokrak to me is just fancy lucas glover
1: so why would i not why would i not be jamming lucas glover at 8200
0: yeah glover doesn't look like he's gonna get a, a lot of ownership i guess the The concern is like Glover like long term is not a very good putter and you're gonna have to putt well to contend at this event. Um, I think Glover's kind of priced fair. And I think that means I'm gonna end up with him on at least like ten to fifteen percent of my lineups just because it pairs pretty nicely, either as like the third golfer in balance builds, or if you do go up top with like a Fowler Sung J type build, then it makes sense to drop to like the eight K range for your second golfer. So um, I don't really have any hot takes on Glover. Uh, I think he's a solid play, but he's definitely not the type of golfer I want to get like four x the field on.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean there'll there'll be a couple of guys I'll end up being four x the field on, but they're probably uh they're probably not going to be Lucas Glover. Some guys I like that the projections are not quite as keen on. Uh, Shez, this is a good Shez course. I, the projections actually are very, uh, extremely, uh, neutral to him relative to the field. I will probably give him a plus two boost in the optimizer. Kevin, not, if he plays, I'm not playing any of them. I'm not playing Kevin, not like fresh back off of the, uh, off the WD. Uh, I don't know if this Andrew Putnam ownership projection holds, but I noticed from looking at the betting market stuff earlier in the weeks that Data Golf, I, I guess maybe they don't like this DK price, but they liked him more than the betting markets. And the return to our lives of Denny freaking McCarthy cannot wait
0: to be 4X the field on him. Denny McCarthy, I feel like he's a showdown legend. Like he's just going to heat it up with the putter one round and Uh, he'll probably tank a couple rounds in there too. But um, Danny McCarthy looks like he's going to be 8% owned right now. Uh, I like Rory Sabatini quite a bit as well, kind of right in that range. And I do think it's a range where, you know, you want to get exposure to multiple different golfers here. You probably want to diversify them across your builds as well, just because these can be like the fourth, fifth guys in the field. And a lot of times ownership does get spread out here. So if you get a top end finish, they can provide some good leverage as well. Uh, Sabatini, Zach Johnson and Daniel Berger were some of the names that jumped out to me um, kind of right away. I think ZJ and Sabatini were the guys that I feel the most comfortable with for like three max single entry type formats. And um, I think it's a a pretty good price tag that you're getting on them as well.
1: Yeah, there are, there are uh, like, this is where the hopefully like most of my like stand plays are going to come from like uh, Carlos Ortiz swag. Collie, of course going to be in on him. Uh, Aaron wise. I, I'm not. I'm not going to let data golf do this to me. I just. I go to go to Aaron Wise's official world golf ranking page and just try and talk yourself into him. Not not super interested in playing that guy, especially on a course that's going to reward putting over distance.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the uh, I guess the advantage for Wise this week would be well the price seven point three k pretty nice. The ownership, my guess is, it ends up fairly low. Um, And then the fact that you are going to get some easy scorable par fives on all of these courses with three guaranteed rounds of them. So he could score really well from a DraftKings perspective. Um, And I think those are some of the things that would set up as, you know, a benefit for him. So um, I guess I have a little bit more interest in WISE than, than you do for tournaments.
1: I just, I, I, I've, all, I've been personally victimized by Aaron Wise a number of times. So that's uh that's some past bias leading think, into yeah, this conversation. I think he
0: was top 10 on tour last year in par five, birdie or better. So like the three guaranteed rounds at easy, scoreable par fives. I, no, he's going to make birdies. Like, yeah, yeah, and I, he's going to make birdies. And maybe you don't need to make the cut if you make enough birdies. Um, there's not like it's great players down here. So I also think he'd be set up for a great play for a showdown. Yeah. Oh,
1: he, I mean, he is, uh, if you are, if you are familiar with the daily road optimizer for showdown, you have definitely gotten a lot of, uh, Aaron wise rounds under your belt. So some other guys down here who I think are, uh, pretty playable Cameron Tringali, uh, for sure. Kyle Stanley, Mr. Uh, Mr. Strokes game T to green, Kyle Stanley, HV3 Lucas Barrigard I like him more than the projections do. Uh gonna gonna have to gonna have to make some big time adjustments to get him in optimals because the projections think Lucas Barrigard is like big time horrible and then uh our boy Bryce Bryce Garnett.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think Nick Taylor HV3 are some of the other yeah. names kind of all these guys have close to 20% T20 odds. You get three guaranteed rounds so I'm more comfortable, I guess, in the optimizer, sometimes I cut it at like 20%. I'm more comfortable dipping to like 15% this week just because I do think it could be like a random week in general, and then you do get three guaranteed rounds, so I can kind of TTP a little bit more, trust the projections, and not worry about cutting things off. Um, I think Johnny Vegas is the other guy that I feel like can really outscore his uh, finish position, and so at 6,800 he's a pretty good value as well with 15% T20 odds and, and good gate scoring um, if, if he heats it up.
1: What about, what about our boy, Bronson Burgoon,
0: Mr. Birdies are better himself. That guy, that guy loves to make birdies. Yeah. It's funny. Like players like Burgoon, I legitimately don't know very much about him and I feel like I always shy away and like the, the hand-built lineups. And then I just make sure to cap like the ownership of those guys at like 15% for MME and just kind of let it fly from there. So um, I didn't know he was Mr. Birdie or better, but that definitely seems like a good. Uh, good oh, that's play. like,
1: that's like his thing. That's like his thing is like, like he's always a really good first round leader bet. Cause you can get him at like, uh, like 125 to one or whatever. But then like, I mean, obviously he never wins obviously, but it's just, he just has these like, ra- Like random hot fire rounds uh, looking down here for like some other, like mega punts um i get like michael thompson like a guy who guy can get super hot with the putter he would be one that you could maybe include in your uh in your mix and then steve stricker 6400 i I bet him i gotta i gotta be honest i bet him for a t20
0: he was like it was like
1: eight and a half to one
0: yeah um seems like it's a pretty good price the data golf makes it like five and a half to one The hard thing with Stricker is besides just being an old is it's always hard to figure out how much to weigh the sample size with him and whether or not you should be weighing like just declining overall performance. And I still feel like even though DataGolf's projection on Stricker is probably still inflated, um, it is a weak field. He is only 6,400. I just, I guess, with like the the way that the events set up, you just wonder whether or not he really has like the upside um, for the the largest field MME stuff. I'll probably end up playing some Stricker, but grudgingly, um, like fifteen percent or so. But um, I do feel like we're maybe like a little bit inflated on Stricker. Shocking, I know.
1: I mean. I mean, definitely inflated on Stricker, but also like he is a actually like quality professional golfer on a course that's not going to punish his lack of distance at all. And he gets to play uh, three rounds at least. So I don't know. It's not the worst play ever. Yeah, I've
0: got him like 46th in my rankings. I think David Golf has him like 32nd.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Aaron Baddeley, I guess, would be like, he's going to be a guy I play a little bit who's not Mm -hmm. a good play uh so i i don't wanna i don't wanna josh him to the people uh trying to see if there's anyone like actually like dead men who's playable probably not no maybe I don't think so. maybe maybe enough
0: with like, mark Hubbard. History.
1: yeah yeah so that's all that's all i got for uh that's all I got for that uh it, it it really does seem like a week to uh take a few stances like like maybe four or five guys you really like and then just like big time with the shuffle and the volatility around them. That's kind of that's kind of what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I don't see any guys that, I mean, Billy Horschel is probably the guy that I'd be most comfortable taking a big stance on right now considering the projected ownership and where we've got him in the rankings and the price on DraftKings. I think that would be like the first guy. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if his ownership comes up to like 15%, like we said earlier, but I like Horschel. He'd probably be one of my guys that would be looking to – to take a stand on. And um, I don't know, do you have any guys that you think would be like the, the flagpole Matic play?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I, the flagpole Matic play this week is probably just going to be taking like big stances on guys who are good plays, but not great plays like Matthew Wolf and Carlos Ortiz. Like I'm probably going to be like big time over on those guys relative to the field. Even like data golf likes them, but uh, like doesn't love them at their prices. That's a, that's like a trademark Matic thing is to take someone else's data and then just take it like two steps too far.
0: <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, I think Horshall will answer the guys right now that jump out as providing some of the best leverage. And I like the fact that you can kind of pair them together with like a balanced contrarian build without sacrificing um, the rest of your lineup. And then, yeah. yeah, I think that would kind of be my, my way to go. Do you got a, a? How did you do one and done last week?
1: web got got rid of a guy got rid of a guy who i don't like and got uh, a decent payday out of it i i think one and done this week is just a catastrophe though because i don't i don't think you want to take ricky here but just like no one has good win equity here data golf doesn't have anyone better than 18 to 1 to win this tournament in like real odds so it's just like i mean i i think you're better off just trying to literally find someone who no one else is going to select and and just hope to get lucky on the rand. like what this was the tournament last year that aaron long won at 600 to one
0: uh yeah right? long long one uh daily sports geek had that
1: yeah he had it. He, he bet like well what he saw that they were heading into the like the last round and he was tied for first but it was there at like 30 to one
0: yeah exactly and i think data golf had made it like 20 to one or something those numbers are probably wrong but they had they had it as like a pretty big plus ev bet and he just fired um i i agree i i think You definitely don't want to burn – I don't think you want to burn Fowler at this event just because he's –
1: No, you you save Fowler for Florida in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and so – but you don't want to go outside of like the top 40 golfers in the world either just because there's no need to kind of go that deep. So um, I think you're looking at one of those secondary players like a – I don't know, Charles Howell, Billy Horschel, Jason Kokrak – like but those might be chalky picks tell me um, tell me why i shouldn't use Sung i i think you could use sungjay i just he plays so much golf that i feel like you you're have gonna infinity get, chances to use him yeah, yeah tons of chances and you might catch him in like a pretty weak field just because he plays so much i don't so know if you're gonna find him
1: in much i don't know if you're gonna find him in much weaker fields yeah, he might play this. those like
0: minnesota tournaments and stuff like that like but I'll m. have look by
1: by Minnesota. Some golfer I've never heard of at this moment is going to be my new favorite golfer by then. Like there's going to be like 2020 Matthew Wolf is like getting ready to enter into my life, and I just don't even know it yet.
0: Yeah, so I think that's the, the knock on Sanjay is just there's ample opportunities to use somebody like him.
1: Data Golf has a ton of plus EV outrights this week, like on on FanDuel and DraftKings. So on DraftKings they have uh le- legitimately like 25 outrights that are listed as plus ev and they have like 12 on Fanduel, and there are more on um a couple of a couple of the other books as well so some of the guys that they have is plus ev outrights steve stricker the aforementioned bronson burgoon billy horschel if you can get him deeper than 30 to 1 hv3 Carlos Ortiz, Denny McCarthy, like this, like seems like a good week to bet. Uh, like bet you know a couple half unit bets on on deeper shots because as we've talked about, this is just a big rand fest.
0: Yeah, I think half unit would be a pretty pretty aggressive bet on like anybody but like the top guys. So you would probably want to go lower than that if you're practicing stringent bankroll management. But it does highlight, I think, the opportunity to definitely shop around for the best prices because, um, like Stricker, you can get two sixty to one on FanDuel, two seventy five to one on DraftKings that stuff adds up. Um, Obviously it's pretty close in price there, but Horschel is a great example where he's only 27 to one on FanDuel and that's a negative EV bet per data golf, but he's at 45 to one on DraftKings Sportsbook and um, plus 40% uh, expected value on each dollar wagered there. So uh, definitely really important to shop around. I do agree it like a lot of times like there's some feel like I look at the EV numbers from data golf and then I decide how much I kind of buy, buy into but it, it.
1: But it's so like the thing about betting like Carlos enough. Ortiz at, yeah. at 125 to one is you are realizing that equity is such a small portion of the time. You like barely even want to bet it, but at least in, in my opinion, or at least how I'm treating this tournament, I think that this event is going to end up being so random that like, I want to have bets on a bunch of dudes deeper than a hundred to one, just like, for the chance of a, of a six sweat on yeah, Sunday.
0: And I totally agree. I feel like the sweat could, could be there. And like, I was going to say in the majors, sometimes you see the 250 to one and you're like, there's no chance this guy. Is there's, but so this, bad.
1: this one, it this can. Could. Yeah, I mean, uh, we did this last year with Keith Mitchell at the Honda classic. We both said he was a good bet at two fifty to one. Neither of us bet it. And I like, I'm, I, I made a vow pretty much since then. Like I'm just, I'm not letting one of those get by me again, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, definitely a good week to check out the betting tools that we do have as part of the subscription. Um, and then you've got the head to head tools too. I think for the most part, they're just going to match people up on the courses that they're, you know, in the same pairings and stuff like that. So I don't think you're going to get any course rotation edge there, but we will have the betting tools updated at the conclusion of every round with updated win probabilities. And there could be a chance to pick off some soft lines if the the books haven't adjusted for guys that might've started really good on the stadium course and still have some easy courses to play under their belt. So I'm gonna be curious to see all the different prices. And that's one of the best things about the tools that we have is you can compare prices easily across, you know, four different sports books to to find where there might be potential gaps. And you know, if guys are hundred to one on three different books, but you see them at two hundred to one on another one, chances are that's a mispricing a good opportunity.
1: Yeah. All right. There we go. Everyone make sure to check out dailyroto.com. Check out the betting tools, the optimizer. Uh, do we have, do we have promo codes flying right now?
0: Yeah, we got the 10% off code golf 20 still rolling right now, rolling out the ability to upload your own projections into the optimizer this week. So it's definitely a good time to get on board. We got a couple of good events, you know, now we're out of Hawaii. We got some, some sweats that you can actually sweat during the workday. So that's always good, good value there.
1: You do. You do love to see it. Golf Golf starting at 8 o'clock in the morning is how things should be going. So we will be back next week. Everyone, good luck this week at the American Express Open.
0: Contact World is a technology and media company dedicated to improving public health. And our podcast is our opportunity to dive into hot topics that are relevant to you, from contact tracing, to vaccines, to social and racial justice. We may not have all the answers, but you deserve to know what goes on in your neighborhood and the decisions that affect you and your family's health. I'm Justin Beck. Join me and my co-host, Catherine and Deep D, as we seek truth in health. Listen to Contact World, the podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.